welcome to Note Up. We're going to be doing a future of NPM show today. I am Dan Shaw, D. Shaw. Today I'm joined by Isaac Sluter. Hello. Rebecca Turner. Hiya. CJ Silverio. Hello. And Zeke. <laughs> hey, guys. And gals. I, we've had you on, and I've forgotten how to pronounce your last name since the last time you were on. There uh, are a few Zeeks of any significance in the node world. So. But you're at Zeke on the Twitter, so we can use And that. the GitHubs. Zeke yeah. on the Twitters and the GitHubs, so that's significant. And um, the NPMs. And the NPMs, of course. Today, our sponsors are And Yet. CodeShip and Lift Security. Thank you for sponsoring NodeUp. Three parts today. We're going to go into a little bit of background about NPM, talk about NPM Inc. briefly, why it exists, and what we can expect from NPM Inc. in the future. Then we're going to go through and explore some of the changes that are happening to the NPM JS.org website and check in on the progress with the CLI. We have major release in play with 2.0. At this point, I think everyone needs to be upgraded to. And then a real sort of exciting change in future trajectory as NPM grows and matures, there's an evolution of the registry happening and we'll dive into that. So before we get started, let's go around the horn and uh, have everyone introduce themselves and give them a quick 140-character bio. I've been on NodeUp before. I'm Isaacs. I made NPM. That's all he's ever done. Well, it's, Did a little you thing know, with Node for a bit. Uh, that's the biggest BFL thing, though. for a little bit. I've done other stuff, but that's how people here know me. Rebecca? Hey, uh, so I'm a recently added um, client developer at NPM. No one probably knows me prior to this, but... Uh, I've done interesting things. I started an ISP up in Maine so many years ago, and that was probably the most significant thing. Hi, I'm CJ. I'm CJBot on the Twitters and the GitHubs. I've been playing with Node since Node 4 days. I uh, used it in anger in production at Voxer, and am now, <laughs> which was a really fun experience. <laughs> and I'm a pretty early employee at NPM. I mostly work on the registry side of things behind the scenes on the servers. Hey, Zeke. Um, the last time I was on this show, which was also the first time, I was still working at Heroku and we were talking about service description manifests. So since then, I've moved over to NPM and I'm the designer here now working on making the website better. And you've totally abandoned the initiative of service description. Uh... No, I haven't. Actually, <laughs> I've actually been heckling Benjamin Coe about making our, his NDM project as package.json friendly as possible. So Awesome. Love I'm it. still on that trail. Great. I need to pull in Bradley Mech and, you know, really doing some interesting sort of related stuff at, at NodeSource and cares deeply about you know, the package.json part of it. And I'm Dishaw, co-founder and CEO of NodeSource, the enterprise Node.js company. We help companies kind of go through the entire Node.js adoption process, soup to nuts. That's what I do. So before we get into it, let me quickly go in and say a word from our illustrious sponsor. And yet has this fantastic JavaScript training adventure that they call JSCapades. The name for this training adventure changes every every month. I think it's 
that that's very exciting. The escapades, if you haven't been to one yet, they're extremely engaging, very you know, well-produced experiences from the Anyet team. So some of the things that students have been saying have been, I'm super impressed with how much care and thought went into all of this. Every bit of unexpected surprise made me smile, sometimes more than smile, but more importantly, shifted me out of my whatever mode I, I might have been in and had things, had it been normal. Great quote. Another quote was, these efforts made us feel special and welcomed by allowing us to get to know what the Anyet crew is all about. Mutual respect and genuine love of what all do is evidently awesome there, as is a strong sense of how much all of the Anyet team values community. Thank you for extending this world to us and truly living up to the name of human JavaScript. So this intensive workshop and training experience is specifically designed to be hands-on, code-long, ask questions as you go version of the book Human JavaScript by Henrik Jorteg. You'll build a single-page app from the ground up in a modular way using best practice created by the team at Anyet and they used that every day. Head over to live.humanjavascript.com or go directly to andyet.com and be sure to follow the Andyet team on Twitter. Well, let's get down to it. We're looking at the future of NPM, but to get to the future, let's, let's take a moment and have a look at the past. Isaac, do you want to give us the two-minute view of last four years of, of NPM? Wow, that's not a lot of minutes for a lot of years. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, the idea behind NPM from the get-go was to try and reduce the amount of friction that's required for JavaScript developers to share stuff with one another. In the early days of Node, there was a lot of activity and a lot of people pushing Node into new areas and pushing it to do interesting things. And I think it became very clear early on that Node was kind of the server-side JavaScript thing that people were going to be coalescing around. But there was a lot of custom hand-rolled make scripts and make files and things that only worked on one OS and stuff that wasn't really very clear how to get started. So there wasn't like a consistent interface. And the idea was to have a single metadata file and just say like, look, put this one JSON file in your project and then you can type npm install and you get it. And then we added a registry and made it free and easy for people to start publishing stuff. And then it exploded from there. Awesome. Um, Two minutes. <laughs> oh, did I, did I come in under time? Okay, great. I think you did. <laughs> cool. That's great. Um, well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's been a pretty trippy ride that it's taken off like it has. But yeah, here we are. We've got like half a billion downloads in the last month. And coming up on it, it's looking like it's going to be 100,000 modules published to NPM. I think we're going to cross that line this week, it looks like. For those of you who weren't you know, around in the earliest of early days of Node, you know, we had you know, several competing package managers, and there's Kiwi, and we coalesced early on with NPM as being the solution that we wanted to go with as a community. And that has been an extraordinary benefit to Node, Node's growth, and having that single sort of integration point and focal point of how to share code has been amazing and you know node's growth is really been defined by the rich user community and that growth that has been a part of npm story especially in the last couple of years where we have legit ecosystems of you know packages you know, package ecosystems sub ecosystems inside of of node what led to the inception of the company that now caretakes npm why do we need an organization like that so basically, I mean, this is kind of the, just the evolution of an open source project, an open source ecosystem, right? Like we survived on donations and goodwill for a pretty long time, including the donation of 
an awful lot of my time, but still not nearly enough to keep things really running smoothly once we got to a certain size. And the really nice thing about starting a company is you can raise some money and hire some people. And I mean, you really don't want to do that if there's not any way to eventually make money. And if you can't make money, then the thing is you're going to have to be raising money forever. And the the type of organization that raises money forever is called a foundation. However, starting a foundation is actually quite a bit of work. And there were a few ways that I really did want to, you know, pursue actually creating financial incentives for, you know, companies to get involved with NPM. And there were some really interesting product ideas that we could kind of wrap around this. So we decided to explore creating a company and found it very easy to raise a bunch of money. It actually happened really fast. And so then we were able to hire a bunch of folks like, you know, some of the, the people that are on the call here who are much better at a lot of parts of this than than I was, right? Like, I mean, earlier it was like I made a website and spun up a registry and was the ops and not really very good at any of those jobs. <laughs> so the benefit of hiring a team is you can like kind of take those values and those goals and have a lot of make a lot more progress on them because there's more people doing different parts of the work that they can do really effectively. Absolutely. So you now have this fantastic team. What is NPM Inc.'s responsibility going forward? What does the next few years hold for NPM Inc. and you know the Node community together with that? The fundamental reason why this company exists is to keep the NPM registry and the NPM user base supported in a sustainable way long term. The nice thing that you can do with a company, like I said, is you can actually make some money. And so there were some non-evil ways to make money. In particular, we've just recently released NPM Enterprise, which companies can then you know, have a very easy to spin up registry inside their firewall for using private modules. We, we were able to make that a very seamless process. And a lot of companies out there will are happy to pay for something like that that takes complexity off of their plate. And that doesn't actually like make the registry experience worse for end users. It actually allows us to make it a lot better because we can throw more servers at it and hire folks like CJ to keep it running, give us 100% uptime instead of like 12% uptime. I lost track of your question, but... <laughs> Oh, what's, what's next? What's, what's next? next? Like, so that's yeah, right. this so, presence. But like, what's the community expect from you know NPM and NPM Inc. looking out into the future a little bit? So I think what we're really focused on primarily is making the NPM user experience really great, right? Ultimately, because that's what makes our products more useful. Like, if more people are using NPM, then more companies are going to be using NPM, and more companies are going to want to buy NPM Enterprise, and more people will want to pay for private modules and all that other good stuff. So. In terms of product and feature stuff, we spent a good chunk of this year just kind of paying down technical debt, both in the client and in the registry. Where we're planning to go from here on is to build actually private modules that you can publish to the main registry so you don't have to pay for NPM Enterprise in order to just host a handful of private modules. You can pay a really, you know, much lower rate and not be in the kind of enterprise big buck kind of market. Many people don't need a full on-premises registry. They just need a way to have some internal modules that they can mm -hmm. reference and, and pull into their applications. That's great. Absolutely. Absolutely. And additionally, then, with orgs and teams, they'll be able to you know, make it a lot easier to have like an express organization that owns, obviously, Express, but then probably also Connect and QS and all the other modules that Express kind of depends on. And so we're sticking with the basic principle that anything open source remains free. And the things that take you out of the open source community, you know, community love fests that are like private code and that kind of stuff, then that's what ends up costing money. Fantastic. Cool. The future from MPM Inc. is MPM Enterprise, 
private NPM. And an interesting thing happened over the weekend. The AngularJS team announced that they were releasing all packages in the future on, yeah. on NPM. What, what's, yep. what's the story behind that? So one of our goals, NPM obviously started out as strictly a node thing, and it's kind of custom tailored to Node, but we've sort of always had this idea of Node is the first class citizen and other things that can potentially use NPM as long as they don't kind of get in the way of the Node use case are fine. That being said, most JavaScript, or at least a lot of JavaScript is not Node and is not common JS modules. And, and so we've been more and more kind of toying with this idea of like figuring out what it would mean to have NPM for the front end because that whole story of sharing code and organizing your stuff into modules is still very clunky. Kind of the, the state of the art for that kind of thing is still mostly wrappers around NPM or Bower, which kind of gets you part of the way, but I kind of feel like Bauer has some shortcomings. I've said before, like, never ask somebody who wrote a package manager about some <laughs> other sure. package manager, because sure. they're just going to say, you know, I've got too many opinions to be taken seriously about it. But, uh, and I, I'm, not, I'm certainly not here to malign Bauer. Actually, NPM and Bauer share a lot of code. It's a fine system. But I think that there are some, some ways in which NPM can certainly improve and kind of, we can take the sort of thing that's led to this explosive growth in Node and apply that to the front-end experience as well. When is NPM buying Bauer? I don't think we'll be buying Bauer. <laughs> we only really like things that are called NPM. If Bauer could change their name to NPM, it would make it a lot easier. <laughs> there we go. It would make it way, way less confusing. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's, you know, NPM is the client and NPM is the registry. And people say, I published an NPM to NPM and NPM is the name of the company. And it's, it's kind of like that uh, Monty Python Bruce's sketch. Then, of course, I NPM install Bauer. Well, yeah, how would you install it? I mean, <laughs> how do you install things if not NPM? If not NPM, exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, I'm showing my prejudice here. I think actually, I mean, Bauer is, it exists because it's solving a problem for a lot of people, right? And I think that there are ways that we could actually explore making NPM work for the front end. So we've been chatting with some of the folks from the Ember CLI team and Angular, and you know, they all have very similar use case requirements. So we're hoping to deliver on that sometime in the next year or two. This is Zeke. I just wanted to chime in about the Bauer thing. I think Bauer seems kind of like a halfway point to me between the old world where web developers would browse around on websites and find the JavaScript file they want and download the zip file to their downloads folder and open the zip file and put the file in the right place and refresh the page in the browser and hope that everything worked. Bauer's kind of a fancier version of that where you know, you're on the command line and you type Bauer install and some file goes from point A on the internet to point B on your computer. It really cuts out a lot of the time that we used to have to spend moving files around. The place where Bauer falls short is that it doesn't give you any kind of contract, or it's not explicit about how to actually use those dependencies. And that's where NPM really differs. Mm -hmm. So if we can figure out a way to make NPM more approachable or attractive to people who are in that sort of beginner set of just wanting to be able to take JavaScript files from the internet somewhere and use them in your project. It could be a big win for NPM. Before we dive into you know updates from the website and CLI, let me give a quick shout out to our second sponsor, CodeShip. CodeShip is free hosted continuous delivery focused on simplicity and usability. You can set up continuous integration in a few steps and automatically deploy when all your tests have passed. Uh, CodeShip has great support for lots of languages and test frameworks. It integrates directly with GitHub and Bitbucket, 
and lets you deploy to cloud services like Heroku, AWS, Modulus, and Nojitsu. CodeShip makes continuous delivery so simple and setup takes just one minute. You can sign up now to get 100 bills per month and five private projects for free. This should allow startups, freelancers, and small teams to easily get started with continuous delivery. For anyone who needs more builds or more projects, be sure to use the code NOTEUP to get 20% off of any plan for three months when you sign up to get this paid subscription. Head over to codeship.io slash NOTEUP to get started. Website and CLI. Zeke, why don't you walk us through what we can expect about npmjs.org and you know, some of the, the new resources that are coming online. Sure. The NPM web team right now consists of me and Raquel, Rockbot. We're in the process of doing basically a ground-up rewrite of the, the website. Not ground up like hamburger, but ground up like from the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Although it could be ground up like hamburger. Ground up, yeah. And basically, uh, we're grinding up the couch registry and turning nice. it into something else. The main goal that I keep in the back of my mind as we're working on the new website is that when you're viewing a package page, it should be easy to find out what the package does and also make a judgment call about whether it's right for your needs. Um, so I find that as an NPM user, a lot of the time I end up making my way to the GitHub repository to make that decision. I want to sort of cut out that step and make it so that as, as a user of NPM, you should be able to go to an NPM package page and find out everything you want to know about a module. So that's sort of a design goal that's in the back of my mind. But in general, we're also trying to make the website as easy to get running as possible so that we can get more contributions from the open source community. It's actually been open source all along. It's interesting doing development where you have basically a fan base or a group of users who are watching your every move, watching every GitHub issue, and watching every pull request, and chiming in from time to time, sometimes with useful patches. So developing entirely in, in open source is, is pretty great. We just launched docs.npmjs.com last week. It's a new documentation site that basically culls all the markdown files that we have from various sources. Some of them are within the source of the NPM client itself. Others are in a, the docs GitHub repo. Basically, all these markdown files get munged into one place, cleaned up, and turned into what is effectively a, a static website. So by doing that, we actually kind of exposed some of the cobwebs in the NPM documentation. So it's sort of forcing us to think more about how to document all the different parts of the product and where documentation should go and where we should send people when they need to file issues. Because historically, any issue for anything related to NPM would go on the NPM slash NPM GitHub repository. And that's why it has something like 1,200 issues, or I think it's, it's been whittled down significantly since Rebecca has joined the team. But we're trying to figure out ways to distribute the community participation into so that it falls into the right buckets. So people that want to help on the website can help on the website, and people that want to work on the client can do that. That's kind of a high-level view of where we're at right now. We have the new version of the website is running at preview.npmjs.com, and we are pushing hard to get it out there on www as soon as we can. So, Rebecca, do you want to sort of catch us? A few shows ago, we talked, we went into a deep dive about changes in the NPM CLI. Do you want to sort of catch us up how that's going? And I think it's probably worth reminding people to upgrade to two. I think I was on one of my systems that was not on two. Right? At this point, everyone should be using two. Sure. At least. And yeah, absolutely. And in fact, we've been 
as far as what's been going out, as far as changes are concerned, we've been very focused on bug fixes. A lot of race conditions have been fixed almost every week. There's been, you know, a host of issues that have been around for years, as best as we can tell, that have been getting fixed. So this means that, like, if you've been having intermittent problems with NPM where you, like, you run it once and it, and it fails and you run it again, and then it works, if you update your NPM, those should go away. And if they haven't, we want to know. How do I update my NPM? Oh, Great question. Thank Great you for asking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> NPM install. Dash G NPM. We don't recommend using the upgrade command. Use install. So. All right, let's say it again. NPM install NPM dash G. Yes. Or dash dash global. The October 16th release, 214, is going to see some fixes to longstanding issues with upgrading NPM itself on Windows. So that's going to be really important as well. We're not satisfied with the state of NPM on Windows. It's one of those ongoing things that we're trying to correct. And this is just the first major Windows-specific thing, that uh, specific fix that we have going out. So I thought I would go over a bit of the roadmap that Forrest had put together and what we've done with that. The first thing he talked about was making the CLI more of an API so that other projects, because his goal for how to extend the CLI is that people should take the libraries that make up the CLI and build their own tools with them. And so his ongoing project has been this cache rewrite, which will help decouple NPM registry client from the NPM itself. Other things that have been happening is I've been working on something that we're calling multi-stage install, which I'll come back to. While I've been working on that, I've been publishing new modules as I extract pieces of code from NPM and go, okay, this is now an isolated and useful piece. And so we go and publish that. But we've had a few things that have come out of that. We've got write file atomic. And then there's also, what was that? Write stream atomic? Is that what, the, what that was, Isaac? Which are just... Yes, FS yeah. write stream atomic. FS write stream atomic. And both of those are drop-in replacements for the associated FS module function that do it in an atomic fashion. So those have been, of course, critical to ironing out all of the race conditions we've had. Then there's realize package specifier, which will take the kind of like argument that you give on the command line to NPM, like, you know, module name at whatever or path to module and gives that back to you as a JSON object that, and it does this with all of the business logic that NPM itself uses. Who will that be useful to? Well, it's one of those things where it's like, well, if you're writing a tool on top of it, you're going to want to be able to understand the modules in the same way NPM itself does. And relatedly, there's also hosted Git info, which is a generalization of some modules that Zeke wrote. I mean, I'd like to say I saw Zeke's modules and went and wrote hosted Git info off of them. But <laughs> the fact is, I wrote it and then Zeke's like, hey, what about these things that I have had for years? And I'm like, oh, well... But what it does is it takes a path to, like, say, GitHub or Bitbucket or GitLab and splits that out and tells you, okay, here's all the components of it, and then lets you produce other URLs for those services. So, like, we're using this to fetch package JSON information in the multi-stage install so that we don't have to clone the entire repository to know what the metadata is for a package. So that's just part of, that comes out of uh, trying to speed up the initial dependency gathering. The other goals on the roadmap were better Windows support, dependency tree realization, better error messages and reporting, and nerfing peer dependencies. And all of these are falling under the multi-stage install project, which is what that actually is. It involves splitting up the 
order that we do things. Currently, it just kind of tries to do everything at once and rely on locking to keep things working. And so we can't tell you, well, which package will we extract first? Well, whoever wins that race which shouldn't be a problem, except when it is. So multi-stage install does the, all the dependency resolution first, and then the extracting, and then the building, and then the lifecycle scripts. And the hope is to fix a lot of the issues around installs that we've had. Windows install issues, shrink wrap problems, those sorts of things. The thing that I know, I'm going to say 90% of, of NPM users want to know about, is when is the revision to the spinner coming out? <laughs> well, I mean, that that is actually part of that project. The, the, uh, the most important feature. Uh, clearly. Right. I right. mean, and what I want to have is an incremental <laughs> progress bar so that as, as it learns more about what it's going to have to do, it'll add that into the progress indicator. That should be so, a lot better. So basically, just some history on this. Once upon a time, Ryan Dahl came into my office at Joint and said, hey, I need to know what's happening because NPM just like sits there saying nothing and then it says it's done. <laughs> and so I added the HTTP log level. So at least you would see like the request, the URL, and then you'd see a 200 come back, right? And I was like, I looked into maybe doing a progress bar at that time. And I was like, yeah, but that's hard because I don't know what I'm going to have to fetch. So I'd have to like rewrite install. And I should probably do that anyway, but I'm not going to do that today. So maybe like next month or something. <laughs> yep. And that was in early 2011. Since then, we've kind of always wanted to like do this progress bar feature. And when we actually explored it, like I, I sat down and did like a spike early on when Forrest was kind of taking over something. He and I were both like, how hard could it really be? So I, I took like a weekend and I kind of spent my Saturday like, you know, playing around with JavaScript, which was kind of fun because I don't do that as much anymore. And I very quickly was like, oh, no, 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 this is hard. This is somebody's job. And so we hired Rebecca. So basically, Rebecca's main priority task at NPM Inc. is to give us progress bars on the CLI. Clearly. I mean, Clearly, right? <laughs> really, there's Just, nothing more important. Hey, wait, what's that the is, name? That is what she's been tasked with. Yeah. What's the name of the spinner package? What is the name? Yeah, no, it's part of it's extracted. It's, it's I usually just I usually just kind of yell at it and and, and why, you know, called, ask why it's there. I think it's called CLI spinner. A simple and we spinner. can we can we can npm install CLI spinner. Oh no, no wait. That's uh, a different thing. Oh. <clears throat> uh, I don't know. <laughs> don't do that. I, yeah, I'm going to troll Isaac in public and say that the readme for the spinner was not enough for me to get the thing going. <laughs> so I ended up using <laughs> CLI spinner. Oh no no it's car spinner car C H A R C H A R spinner char spinner got it you just someone... call spinner with the options and it like it gives you a thing and then you and can then start stop it how do you stop it it returns a thing it returns the interval so you have to do you know stop like clear interval on it uh, okay so yeah. and then you just and then if you wanted to start again you just call spinner again with the same options okay so I guess I'll have to send you a pull request yep. I'll, or I could just update the docs. See, we're getting work done here. On Node Up. We've accomplished the real stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I derailed you, Rebecca. And unfortunately, I think you gained a new job title out of that. <laughs> Is there anything else that we should be looking for in the CLI? And are there any you know, pre-release versions right now that early adopters can go in and help the CLI team test? So 
I mean, there's always the next tag on NPM, which has the release that will be going out in a week. So we love it if people run that and you know report errors before we upgrade everyone else. For those, the uninitiated, uh, yeah. NPM install, NPM at next. And that's oh, great. Dash G? Okay. Dash G, yeah. And as far as the multi-stage install, currently it just dumps out a bunch of diagnostics. If you were to check out that branch, which we have it in a branch, you would just get a bunch of diagnostics when you went to run install and it doesn't actually do anything. My goal right now is to have it doing something, actually like installing things onto disk um, this week. So I wouldn't actually want bug reports on it at that point because I don't expect it to be working correctly as far as all the things NPM has to do, but it will be doing stuff at that point. So that's exciting. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like stuff on your Those disk. actual things. Wow. Yes. But it probably, probably won't run lifecycle start. Yeah. With tarballs and it probably won't be running lifecycle scripts, but it will be, you know, extracting stuff. Let me give a shout out to our third and final sponsor today, Lyft Security. Big shout out to Lyft Security and the team behind the Node Security Project. So building an application or service is already hard enough, and then dealing with security gets in the way. Security doesn't have to be painful, annoying, or frustrating, and you don't have to summit the security mountain alone. Adam Baldwin and the team at Lyft Security want to guide developers in building more secure Node applications. They already help secure tools that you use every day, like GitHub, NPM, and are the founders of the Node Security Project. One core service Lyft provides is security assessments. An assessment helps identify and prioritize spots to improve security and mitigate risk, then offers recommendations and strategies for building more securely into the future. Lyft Security also provides in-person and online training for helping you and your team understand common vulnerabilities, their impact, and how to prevent them. If you're interested in bringing a security-first mindset to your team's development process, contact the Lyft team at liftsecurity.io or liftsecurity on Twitter. So, exciting times in the NPM registry land. What is going on there? Well, it's been a pretty exciting nine months. I think it's fair to say that when I joined the NPM team in February, the registry was not maybe actively on fire, but it was occasionally spontaneously combusting okay. into fire. And the first goal of those several months was stop it from doing that, figure out why it was doing that, and then sort of just methodically go through root causes and stabilize everything. And I think we've been pretty successful at that. Just one of the advantages of being able to have someone who isn't working on the website and the CLI and the registry all at once all and, it, and it's a side job. Yeah. The registry, I think, is a pretty typical, really very successful side project that leapt out into the wild and became its own thing and needed to be brought into a sort of a professional level in some very predictable ways, the way any small project does, I think when it gets big. All the decisions you make that are look great when you have a thousand packages don't look the same way when you have nearly a hundred thousand packages, which I think we're going to hit tomorrow. So, nice. yeah. This has been a really fun project. I'm going to talk about it a lot at NodeConf OneShot in Budapest um, and I'm gonna, from one point of view, and I'll give you guys another point of view here if you want it, you know, like sort of like the, the nitty gritty. Yeah. All depends, what, yeah, what do you want to hear about? I want to hear nits and gritty. <laughs> I want to well, know First and foremost, yeah, is sure. Couch going to die? I don't think so, and okay. I actually don't want it to die, and I'll mm. tell you why. Couch has one really amazing superpower, 
And that superpower is replication. The couch replication service, like how it sends a changes stream from one instance to another, is rock solid and is the basis of most NPM registry infrastructure behind the scenes. We use that changes stream to build just about everything. We're going to use it to feed a relational database so that the website can make ad hoc queries in a more faster manner than you can do with couch. But couch does this. It does it really well. It doesn't do some other things very well, as we learned. (laughs) <laughs> but <laughs> so it's not going to go yeah. away completely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, probably not. One of the problems we had at the beginning was we just didn't know what it was doing, right? Yeah. We had tarballs in it for a long time, which is, you know, I think Jan said told Isaac famously early on like don't do that and then Isaac did it. And <laughs> well, he said he said that'll yeah. work for a little while. Okay. Yeah, and it worked for a lot longer than than most of us expected. And right. uh, apparently, he claims now that he actually does have an NPM mirror that has all of the tarballs in it, and it's it's great. But and you I, can do. you just have to throw some hardware at it. It's, you know. Yeah, it's just if you're moving that stuff around a lot, it gets kind of kind of heavy. Yeah, absolute terms, but enough that splitting it out of couch was sort of the the nice thing to do to it. I think literally the first thing I did for NPM before I was even getting a paycheck was get a PagerDuty account for us so that we could know when it was down. The step one is like, instead of Twitter telling us when it's down, we're going to know when it's down. And we will wake ourselves up (laughs) instead of sleeping through the night. And then because, you know, being woken up in the middle of the night is not fun. Who wants that? You have this major incentive to fix it. So visibility, I think, was the first big problem. What is up? What is down? What is running? What are the pieces of this system. One of the really great things, like you and I both worked at Voxer for a while, and one of the things Voxer has that's just awesome is an amazing metric system where like everything that those node services are doing are fed into the system and you can see graphs of practically everything that any engineer ever thought was interesting to ask about what was going on in the system. And I really missed that at first here at NPM and I've sort of dedicated myself to rebuilding it from pieces so that I could see what's going on with the registry, how much data is flowing through it. If any of those patterns are like out of the normal, we can like just see visually by comparing to what it looked like, say, last Monday at this time to see whether it's normal or not now. It's very addicting and pretty, very useful. That project eventually got open source as Zag, yes. which is cool. And if you haven't had a chance to look at Zag, worth checking out. Sounds like you didn't use Zag. What did you end up no. using as your... Um, what, what we ended up doing was I wrote some emitters that were very Zag-like and sent them to a collector that I also wrote that goes into InfluxDB, where good folks at Influx, which is a time series database written in Go, you can emit JSON at it, arbitrary nice. JSON fields, and then as long as they have a timestamp on them, you can query them in a bunch of really nifty ways. There's another open source project called Grafana that can pull data from either Graphite, which is... Right. The, gra- yeah. the graph in Grafana, right? Okay. Yes, or from Influx and graph them nicely in dashboards that you can customize pretty easily. So we've got that cooking here. Both of those projects are completely open source if you want to run them yourself or tinker with them. InfluxDB and Grafana. The other thing we've been doing is once everything was stable and handling the load we were throwing at it, we've actually been radically changing the NPM architecture behind the scenes. Once we understood it, knew what we had to build, like everything has changed quite a bit, but completely invisibly to the outside world. You know, we've changed how we're terminating TLS, we've changed how we've load balanced things. We're completely balanced across AWS regions, so that if East goes out, we're fine. West goes out, we're fine. They both go down, well, 
we and the rest of the internet are in trouble. <laughs> right. Everybody's uh, crying at that point. Right. My goal is to, I think I haven't like had one of those recently. So no, uh, my goal is to <laughs> make, make that a non non event for us. Like I think a lot of you guys, I was, I was an NPM consumer last December when it went down and all of my builds started failing. And I started asking like, Oh God, I'm not actually following NPM build best practices, but it had been this like reliable thing up that up until that point in my head, it was very, upsetting to have it go away and so github was the one that was always down that like yes (laughs) my goal is to really make that like be the joke old timers would tell you know (laughs) do you remember the last time npm was down yeah i want you to be doing that (laughs) time was you could blow off a whole day of work because npm was down (laughs) yeah those were the days (laughs) they're not quite there yet but we, our uptime has been good. Mostly very happy with that. You know, and this has actually been freeing. Like now that everything is stable and I have this nice, solid infrastructure that with, can withstand some nuclear attacks, this frees us to do some new development to add features to things. As so, well as to- you know, I know the Rodvag runs the uh, AU, the Australia mirror, and then uh, Mache runs the EU mirror for individuals who might be you know, mirroring a copy of the registry for whatever reason, HA internal or, or, mm-hmm. or whatnot. Is there anything that those groups need to be paying special attention to? Are there any big changes in you know, data representation or the substance of the registry that we should be expecting or, or no. looking for? No, this this is be the goal. Like, is to make sure that there's no external change. The external API does not change. The way you replicate is probably from now into the future to be pointing couch at it or to be pointing mm-hmm. um, Dev Glass's registry static at it. Right. So that is the which essentially of, listens on the you know the the, yeah. uh, the changes feed, right? Exactly. I would really like that to stay stable as far as we can make it stay stable in the future to make sure that external contract with everybody is unbroken mm-hmm. by us. What probably will come are like you know, other maybe more advanced ways to replicate that data or to get at it. And, you know, other APIs that are similarly useful, but we're not going to throw away the ones that you're currently using. That's just not very nice. So if you pay, you know, $10 million a year, you get to, you know, be on the preferred network of of NPM. Otherwise, you get the, you know... It will take a lot less than $10 million a year for me to prefer you, yes. Uh, <laughs> I would deliver a registry to you hand in a, in a beautiful hand-painted case. Right. You get the literal white glove treatment. <laughs> it's probably just going to be other, um, you know, other ways of replicating or getting at this data and potentially even like other kinds of APIs and queries you can make at it that are not currently supported because of the, the older architecture. But as we move to this newer sort of fancier way of doing things, it opens up a lot of doors for us. In particular, the, the relational database that's backing the new website allows us to do stuff like, you know, joins and all that fancy relational stuff. Relational stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not as web scale as MangoDB, but it's still pretty web scale. And it's nice. You don't have to know what questions you need to ask yeah. before you ask them. Squeal is lovely at the ad hoc queries. Yep. You know what might be nice, and you know, just sort of riffing off the top of my head, for users that need like a seed of the registry, the ability to sort of grab that off disk. And you know, speaking of you know, sneaker net, basically, and that might might prove useful in the future. 
Yeah, there's also been actually an interesting, somebody brought up to me, I think the last big conference I was at, the idea of having like a, you know, monthly seeds from available on a BitTorrent share where like, mm-hmm. you know, every every month we just kind of snapshot the current database and, and put it on a, a peer-to-peer feed and then people can, you know, seed that or whatever. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Tarballs yeah. and all? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe uh, not. But I mean, but then at least you have like a .couch file and you can start replicating yeah. from... Yep. From there, and you, you get a big head start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that's straightforward. We can sure do that. Very exciting. Anything else on the registry? Uh, we got some features coming for you. It's been really fun. I've been working a little bit on NPM Enterprise, and right now I'm working on the private module thing on the main registry feature, which I think is going to be pretty neat. I certainly will be using it once it's available. So it's been fun to, to finally switch from firefighting to new code. I'm looking forward to that. Great. Well, let's take the opportunity. Everyone has you know, 30 seconds now while I babble for a moment to think of their plugs. Be ready for that. Isaac, do you have a plug? I do. I'm going to be speaking at Fullstack Conf, the Skills Matter conference going on in London next week. And I literally had a terrifying nightmare last night of like realizing that I was there and I was about to go up and I hadn't done my slides or even prepared at all. So I'm going to be spending most of this week doing that. And as far as something to actually plug, I would be remiss in my duties if I didn't point people at npmjs.org forward slash enterprise. That is where you can go if you want to use NPM at your company. If you are tired of being the NPM person maintaining a giant crazy couch thingy that always falls over and takes you away from your real job, go to npmjs.org forward slash enterprise and you will find out about how to do the NPM at your enterprise. Awesome. Rebecca? I'd like to plug uh, uh, or, you know, tell people about Nightmare.js, which is something I came across recently, which is a wrapper around Phantom.js. And it's really nice. It provides a interface that's similar to, like, www mechanize in Perl and Ruby, only even easier. So check that out. Yeah. I'll plug my next speaking opportunity at uh, NodeConf OneShot Budapest on November 21st. If you like the little teaser you got here about what we did to stabilize and scale the registry, I'm going to go into really gory detail about what we did, tools we chose, steps we took, and how you think about your Node database-backed application in order to stabilize and scale it to a nice, serious level. November 21st, Budapest. Great, Zeke. I think I'm going to plug our new website or the GitHub repo thereof. So if you do a Google search for N-E-W-W-W, which we call new dub dub internally, um, <laughs> that should turn up the GitHub link. So if you care about NPM, you're interested in the website development, um, follow that repo and you'll have a chance to influence the direction of the site before we go live with it. Awesome. So I'm going to plug NodeSource and uh, talk for a second about how NodeSource sort of operates and, and executes and helping enterprise companies adopt Node.js. We typically have you know, one of three touch points where an organization is either you know, evaluating a prototype, has a prototype that they're going to go and bring into uh, production, and then finally uh, in the production phase getting ready for a large-scale release. 
NodeSource will send in a team that helps evaluate any of those steps along the way and really helps map out that roadmap for the future of success with Node.js. So if that describes your company, if you're in the process of adopting Node.js and looking for help and guidance, uh, be sure to reach out to NodeSource for help. Upcoming events, the... Upcoming events list is a bit sparse. I know that I'm getting real-time additions in here. There's a biggie in here that I'm not seeing. Isn't there like an NPM-focused thing? When is that? So we floated that idea on Twitter and oh, uh, a, got a bunch a of thing. feedback, but okay. it is not yet a thing. So okay, stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned for an NPM-focused thing in the eventual future. No, the okay. NPM Conf is actually not about not short for NPM Conference. NPM Conf is NPM Config, which will probably have to be refactored back into the NPM CLI in order to avoid that kind of confusion. <laughs> <laughs> and anybody currently depending on NPM Conf, the module might be super, super weirded out when they type NPM install NPM Conf and it offers to sell them tickets to a thing. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac, I sent you a pull request for NPM Conf that changes the title to be Maybe it's also a conference. Maybe it's also a conference. <laughs> Could be a conference sometime in the future. Could be. So we'll see. keep your eyes and ears open for that. In the immediate future, we have Full Stack Skills Matter Conf that Isaac's speaking at on October 23rd through 24th. Head to skillsmatter.com. Is there a short version of that? Look up Skills Matter Full Stack Conf and be sure to go check out Isaac. CampJS is coming again to Australia. I think it's in Australia this time. Biannual conference run by Tim Oxley and Rob Vag. Head to campjs.com for more info. It's going to be October 31st through November 3rd. I'm looking forward to that. Torsten Lawrence and, and a few other node source folks are heading down as well. Be sure to go and join that adventure. November is coming to Nashville, Tennessee on the 15th through 16th of November. November.org. I will be speaking. I'll be speaking. Jess Barchowski will be there. Torsten will be there. Going to be a you know, brand new conference, first year. Be great. If you're local, be sure to come support a local new effort to share Node.js in Tennessee. That's fun. One Shot in Budapest is November 21st. And head to oneshot.risingstack.com to grab your tickets. CJ will be there. Arya Stewart is also coming out. Lots of really fantastic speakers there in Budapest. And JSConf Asia is also coming around the same time frame, November 20th through 22nd. That's coming up. And I can announce it now. I think the site is officially going online like today-ish. No Day is back. No Day, one day enterprise conference put on by the enterprise for the enterprise. Intuit is hosting this time. The team at PayPal has very generously open sourced the project and has extended it to allow other enterprise companies to host. So December 5th in Mountain View, come out and join with other enterprise companies that are moving to Node and adopting Node. And this will be sort of a hands-on sharing experience where companies that have gone through the process share with others about what would the challenges have been, what the successes have been, and what it all means. Thanks so much. Be sure to follow Node Up on Twitter. 
at NoteUp. There are sponsorship opportunities opening up shortly. Send an email to noteup at gmail.com for more info. Be sure to head to iTunes and throw a rating on NoteUp. Really doesn't matter what the rating is. It really is all about Apple getting signals that there's activity there that uh, drives things up there. So if you want a one star about D-Shaw umming, I'm cool with that. I really don't care. I love you anyways. So thanks Team MPM for joining us today and getting us up to date and tuning us into the future of MPM. Thanks guys. Thanks no problem.